Welcome to the Up Level Dairy Podcast. This is the podcast for dairy owners, managers, and their trusted advisors who are looking to take themselves and their businesses to their next level of performance, resilience, and success in the dairy farming business. I'm your host, Peggy Coffeen, and it's my mission to bring you the stories and thought leaders to help take you to your next up level. This is the first of the bi-monthly High Performance Mindset Series, powered by NEDAP. NEDAP is future-proofing dairy farms by revolutionizing cow-side care technologies and activity monitoring, cow-locating, milk metering, and identification. And who better to talk about high performance than an Olympic athlete who also happens to be a dairy farmer, Ellie Furrier St. Pierre. And not only is Ellie on with us today, but so is her husband, Jamie St. Pierre. You are going to hear how this young dairy farming couple is applying their high-performing mindset as they join Jamie's family in managing 3,000 cows, 90 employees, and the diverse businesses of Pleasant Valley Farms in Vermont. And so starting with you, Ellie, some of our listeners may have followed you and cheered you on as you set U.S. records for the indoor one-mile and two-mile and ran all the way to the Olympics in Tokyo for Team USA. But one of the coolest things about you is that at the end of the day, you are a down-to-earth dairy farm girl who grew up running on the back roads of Vermont. And now you are farming full-time with your husband as you take a little time off from running to prepare for your new role of soon becoming mommy. And so, Ellie, welcome to the Up Level Dairy Podcast. Tell us a little bit about your background in dairy. Yeah, so... I grew up in Montgomery, Vermont on a small tie stall farm. We milked about 40 cows and my siblings and I were always really active from, you know, a young age on the farm, helping my um, parents, you know, we threw square bales, we milked cows, raised heifers, you know, um, and, you know, the last couple, last two years, I've transitioned more to working on to Jamie's farm since uh, my parents sold their cows in 2020 um so it's been you know a huge change for me working more on a different size farm and um you know different in a lot of ways but it's been a lot of fun and um you know i think jamie and i are both very uh grateful that we have the roots that we do in the background that we we have i think it's it's brought us together for sure and so now it's been exciting to have this new chapter of our lives where we're working together on the same farm. And now, Ellie, you get to work with your husband every day. Jamie, tell us about Pleasant Valley Farms. So I grew up on my family's dairy farm here in Berkshire, Vermont. Uh, we milk dairy cows and also make maple syrup. We have a methane digester here. Um, grew up working on the fire, went away to Cornell for dairy management for four years, worked on some different farms, and then came home, uh, to join uh, my parents and my brother, Bradley St. Pierre, to take over the dairy farm for my parents in the future. Uh, we currently are a large dairy farm and milk uh, 3,000 plus cows. Uh, we we farm about 10,000 acres in Vermont and also in New Hampshire. Um, we milk cows on three sites and we have heifers on multiple other sites. Um, we raise all our own replacement animals, do all our own cropping, uh, only a little last couple of years we've uh, hired a custom north crew to do our own manure um 
and then do, do the sugaring in, in the winter time. So kind of a diverting right. business. So Jamie, there is a unique story behind Pleasant Valley Farms and how your father started building this diverse business. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. So my grandparents, my father's parents were French Canadian immigrants in the 1950s. Uh, my dad grew up on their 100 cow tie cell farm. And once he graduated high school the year after, 1986, decided to go out on his own and start his own dairy business. Uh, he primarily in those years would use his first language of French and buy dairy replacement animals in Quebec and import them into the U.S. In those years, many people didn't raise their own dairy replacements, so he would source them for farmers in our area and in the Northeast. Um, he would then take the profits from his business and dump them back into his own farm, and sometimes he'd have cows left over that didn't sell to customers, and he would farm those cows. Uh, so things kind of took off for him, and before long, he was milking on about four uh, tie cell farms in our area, and unfortunately, one summer, he had a barn fire and decided instead of rebuilding the tight stall place where that was to consolidate and build a freestall barn and bring uh, a lot of the cattle together and try to be more efficient. Um, he spent a lot of late nights on the road and traveling all over um, and not being at home very much at doing that business. So he decided to um, focus a little more on growing the dairy farm business. Uh, in 1998, he built his first milk and parlor and freestyle barns. And then from there on, he really added strong emphasis on growing our dairy farm, buying crop ground when it was available, and then trying to milk a full barn of cows and expanding the, the, the farm and buying other farms when he could. So dairy isn't the only part of the business here. You've got income streams from both biogas and maple syrup. So then... As he grew the land base uh, in 2006, my parents chose to diversify and build a second methane digester in the state of Vermont to make electricity. Uh, that's been a great diversity for our farm. Um, in 2010, we decided to start uh, getting into the maple syrup business, and which is big business in our area. And we started uh, tapping maple trees on the land surrounding our uh, fields uh, so that we started with 35,000 taps. Uh, each maple tree has about two taps, one to two taps on it. And now we've, we've grown that to a tap over, or boil sap for over 150,000 taps, some on our old land and some we buy sap from neighbors and boil it into maple syrup. Uh, we are certified organic uh, maple syrup. Um, and part of that, my brother and I, uh, during and after college, uh, both received young farmer loans through USDA Farm Service Agency, and then bought each of our own properties. Uh, currently, my brother and I each own about 30,000 taps of the maple taps that we have as part of the family business. Pleasant Valley Farms is a complex business, and that requires a lot of manpower. How many employees does it take to make this operation run? Yeah, absolutely. We have over 90 full-time employees on our farm and definitely rely on part-time people throughout the year during the busy seasons. Uh, we couldn't do all we do without all the great people surrounding us. And it's been a large uh, part of our success is, is having great people on our team and working well with them. And and it's, it's a big part of what we do every day, working with people. As you said, Jamie, 90 people, 
90 people that you are managing and that are part of your operation here. And at your heart, Jamie and Ellie, I know you both really love cows. So my question for each of you is this. Given the choice, would you rather work with cows or people? So uh, I worked on for a summer on a dairy farm in Michigan, and my boss told me one day when I was there, Jamie, cows are simple and people are not cows. So generally, I prefer to work with cows, but I understand on our scale, people are, are largely important, and that's that's all part of it. Yeah, I, I definitely prefer working with cows, but I, I do like to have the option kind of on my terms when I, when I work with people. But I think if you have a good crew, you know, it's it's pretty fun to work with um, a few people. But yeah, that's kind of a, a mixed answer there for you. But <laughs> we definitely prefer cows in general over people. So when it comes to managing people, Jamie, what are some of the biggest challenges that you're facing right now when it comes to being a dairy owner and manager and working with employees? So one of our biggest challenges that's pretty common in the dairy industry in rural America and specifically in our state of Vermont, um, our population is aging and a lot of our employees, uh, I think our average age is probably over 50 years old. And as people look to retirement, in a, in a larger scale, there's not enough young people come in to replace people that are retiring. Uh, it's definitely, we've seen a big increase uh, just around pre, pre-COVID. There was like a real estate boom in our area, a lot of houses and construction being built. So a lot more of our, we, I remember we had one summer when there's like three or four crop guys went to work for on construction crews. So that was tough. And then COVID, definitely a lot of people retired early or less people we're working and it just seemed like we're like, where are all the people? Where are all the waiters since both post COVID? Where are all the people, the farm workers and the concrete truck drivers and the people pouring concrete when we're building a new barn? So it's, it's, it's been interesting trying to source and recruit good young people to help uh, replace the older generation, but also figure out ways how to manage the younger generation different than traditionally uh, the older generation of people have managed. So Jamie, you've just identified two different challenges here. One is finding the people in the first place. And the second is the challenge of managing these different age demographics. So I'm curious, what has worked for you when it comes to being able to attract and retain some of these long tenured employees at Pleasant Valley Farms? Yeah. So we're, uh, Traditionally, mo- mostly local people at this point, we're pretty, we're probably like 40% uh, people not born in this country and 60% local. We love supporting our local community and are, are really proud of that. And over the years, always try to hire anybody local we can. Uh, my dad is, is pretty re- creative at recruitment and is not afraid if he sees somebody on the street or notices somebody like, hey, you know, if you ever are looking for an opportunity to work somewhere, like let us know. Uh, I think we have a pretty good reputation that will give anybody an opportunity that can, can show up one time and, and we'll give them a chance to see what they can do for us and see what what part of the farm. One thing about having a lot of different positions is we can be creative and look at what positions fit different people and what their skill sets are. Uh, we're creative in some ways. Sometimes we try to offer things other employers can't. Uh, we try to offer housing packages and some, a lot of cases, my parents have been key in helping people buy and secure their first home as part of their, uh, 
their pay package. Um, we, we try to look at things like that. Um, we have an opportunity like where people can all work right beside their, their, their bosses and be a, be a part of, uh, I think there are a lot of our employees take a lot of pride in what, what we do each year and, and that there's a lot going on and you get to see the progress that we make. Um, so yeah, so that, that's, that's definitely part of it. It sounds like your dad has been really successful with recruiting and retaining people. So my dad has always uh, taught my brother and I growing up on the farm that we got to lead by example. We can't ever ask somebody to do anything we're not willing to do. Uh, we need to try to be the first ones there and the last one's home. Uh, you know, what we do, uh, dairy farming here, we have some really tough weather windows and don't have a lot of time to get our crops in the ground and and get our feed put up for our dairy cows. So that takes a lot of commitment and dedication, some long hours when the weather windows are there, you're gonna make hay when the sun shines. So showing to those people that um, we're not afraid to put in long hours right there with them and showing that our, our commitment, we're, we're gonna be here. Uh, we we never have anybody on hours. Um, we generally are able to find enough work for people to work as many hours as they feel comfortable work, working. Um, so that's been been able, you know, we paid by the hour a lot of times and be able to, like, people want an opportunity to work hard and, and make a good living. Um, we definitely try to pay competitively, um, and we we definitely try to take care of our people. Uh, it's, some people aren't all motivated by money. Uh, we try to look out for people as they're part of our dairy family and help, help them out when they need it um, and, and just try to be, Treat people how we would want to be treated if we're working with them. It sounds like your dad, Mark, has really set the tone for people first and growth mindset here at Pleasant Valley Farms. I think a great thing my dad has instilled on the farm is whenever we have visitors on the farm or a consultant on the farm or a meeting with employees or team members, uh, he would say, we, we have one rule. We want three things we can do better by the time you leave the farm. I'm working or any meeting, what, what, what do you all think we can do better on and try to frame it like that. So we're always have a culture on the farm that there's, we're going to make changes. We're going to try to always be better at what we're doing. So Ellie, this attitude of constant improvement sounds like one that you share as a competitive world-class athlete too. training and competing that that's been your career. So in this in-between time during your pregnancy and before you get back to training hard again, how are you channeling your athlete mindset into your work here on the dairy every day? You know, I, I uh, just kind of look at it as an opportunity, just like I would it in training. But, um, you know, I think farming is a lot more intricate and there's a lot more variables that, um, you know, you, you can't control. It is kind of funny, though, because when I first started running, I... You know, it was very much just like a farm kid, you know, and didn't, didn't know much about the running community or running at all. Um, so my coach in high school would always kind of make metaphors about running or I mean about farming so that I could understand running. And so, you know, like just because I understood farming so that, uh, you know, like make hay while the sunshine is kind of a corny one, but we made, we made a lot of them. Um, so now it's it's kind of like turned tables where like I was away from the farm for quite some time. And now that I've come back, I'm finding that I'm making, you know, metaphors the other way 
So, you know, we're, we're talking about like, sometimes Jamie's got like a really busy day and we're like, yep, it's race day. And on race day, Jamie always gets me a coffee. So we always joke like, oh, I got to go get Jamie a coffee because it's race day at the farm. And that's like, you know, like when it's a big sugaring day or, you know, there's just like a lot going on, like a high pressure, like the inspector's coming, something like that, you know, um, we always kind of just make those kind of metaphors now. But um, I think we're just always working towards goals and and uh, and doing better and, and seeing that, I think, is really rewarding. So what does your day-to-day look like right now, Ellie? Basically, I uh, on Mondays, you know, I, I help with dry cows. And so I've been, you know, doing a little less sorting cows, but more trucking cows. Um, and, you know, I... I don't know. I kind of just show up and see where I can help. But I, you know, it's like Mondays, dry cows, Tuesdays, you know, herd check and trucking fresh cows. Um, Wednesdays, moving heifers. Wednesdays is a heifer project day usually. And then, um, you know, Thursdays, it used to be, used to be herd check at the home farm. But now I don't do that because of, you know, the, the loot shots and stuff. <laughs> So it's, you know, evolved all the time, but I, you know, I, I kind of help a lot more at the satellite dairy, um, which is, uh, like six miles from the home farm. And so how has being a high performing athlete influenced the way that you manage cows? For sure. It's kind of interesting because, you know, like I, I learned so much how to take care of my own body and, um, my body's been my tool for my job as a runner and so I think you know I have this like internal just you know thinking about this all the time and how to take care of my body how to make sure I'm hydrated eating well sleeping right all these things that I've been doing for my body you know in turn just can be used for the cows as well like that kind of mindset and just thinking about how they are athletes you know because if if they're eating right if they're drinking enough and sleeping enough and, and are comfortable, then they're going to perform better and performing better means more milk and, and profit for the farms. So Jamie, what do you think is the greatest asset that Ellie brings to the dairy now that she is farming with you full time? I think Ellie understands the dedication it takes to accomplish big things and, uh, you know, not to cut a corner to like, try to figure out how to do it right. I think that she really, really cares about the animals and how, how they're comfortable they are and how to make it ideal for, for them, um, to do what they need to do, uh, because she understands coming from the running background, like you need to have a, a good setup to be able to, to do your thing and, and, and have success. And, uh, you know, coming from her farm background where she grew up she realized the importance of longevity of cows and if you take care of the cows they're going to take care of you and and uh kind of zoom in and, and sometimes on larger farms uh it's important to focus on the individual cow as long as managing as far as well as managing the whole group of all the cows now jamie you are pretty lucky to have ellie on board as a star performer here when it comes to detail orientation and goal orientation and going back to that employee piece that we were talking about before, how do you determine which employees have the potential to take on more responsibility and leadership? What are some of those um, qualities and traits that you look for? Yeah, so I think it's important. Um, I guess it starts with recruit, recruitment. Um, we've had really good luck 
when we have to have good people on the farm, um, we try to talk to them about, do they know anybody else, uh, that's looking for work. Generally, we, we've had good luck with as people come in as entry level, uh, a lot of times like a milking position, we can tell right off, like how they accept responsibility. Do they take the lead? Do they take, uh, responsibility well, or do they try to like dodge it and not want to like stick their neck out and take on responsibility and just want to show up to their job and go home. Uh, we can tell right off if they're willing to problem solve and try to figure things out or they're, or they're going to say, oh, I don't have what I need. So I just can't do my job and, and make the excuse. So based on that, we can kind of tell who we want to give more responsibility to and, and where they bring their value. How do you do this with your milkers? We have a setup, uh, with our milkers. So we have a performance matrix where, um, we kind of try to hit three big goals. We try to keep a low somatic cell count and if they're under the somatic cell goal, uh, if they are on time and having cows being milked on the same schedule every day. And then the last small one is not mixing up cows in between groups. Um, it, so it's up to them if they're performing well as a team and getting all those done, they can get a bonus. And then if they're not, then certain parts of their bonus, they will be paid at that time. And through that, we can really tell and we have team meetings and communicate how things are going. We can tell who's trying to communicate, who's trying to be a leader on the team. And then once they start to become a leader, then we can kind of look at, okay, we have an opening on a position in the past it's been a repro position or learning how to trim hooves or even feed the cows. And then we can say, approach those people and say, Hey, we have this open position. It's going to be more responsibility, but it will come with more compensation. Are you interested in moving up and taking on this challenge? And then, you know, as we've had success with those certain people, then we approach them about, Hey, do you have other people that, you know, that might be interested? Like a lot of dairies, you are working across generations of employees from older to younger. What's been effective for you in communicating with the generation that's your age, that group that's in their twenties right now? With the younger generation, it's my generation. It's we really want feedback. We want to know how we're doing. My, my favorite jobs on the farm and in the Maple Sugar Woods are the farms where I can see, look at all the progress we made today. Look at yesterday, two days ago, we made 25 barrels of maple syrup. Like that felt really good at the end of the day to do that. Or we can see each day how many trees we've tapped. Or, uh, you know, it's uh, one of my favorite uh, accomplishments as a team on the farm we've all made is we finally shipped over uh, 90 pounds of cow and almost six and a half pounds of components been shooting for that for a long time and it is really empowering to see the progress of the changes we've been making to do better and i think my generation really values feedback from their supervisors of like what they can do better what they're not doing good and sometimes they feel a little bit forgotten if they're not getting enough feedback um, where the older generation just kind of comes and does their thing and it's maybe doesn't need that as much um i think Sometimes you need to be more flexible with the younger generation and scheduling things like try to work, work with them so they can have a good work-life balance and, and take some time. And sometimes it's nice to let them have like a little bit of ownership of a project and not micromanage how they're going to do it and just kind of let them like figure it out within reason, maybe with some coaching. Um, but I think those are some of the few things I see with managing younger people versus older generation. So the two of you both chose careers that require a ton of hard work and self-determination. So I'm curious, what is your key to staying mentally strong and resilient? Um, 
Well, it definitely, I can, I can see it on both sides on the farm and in training, but I feel like in training, like I definitely lean on my teammates and just know that I'm not alone in, in whatever the workout is or whatever the challenge is. Like I know that I, I have teammates to go through it with live the pain, you know, the bad weather, whatever it is. My coach is always saying there's no such thing as bad weather, only soft people. That's what he always says. <laughs> And so, like, literally, it could be, like, the worst, nastiest day outside. And I'll just text that in the group chat. And, you know, it'll always, like, get a giggle or, or something. We always kind of choke about that. But when, when no, it's really bad outside. But <laughs> what are you going to do about it? You can't change it, you know? So just try to try to stay positive and, and lean on my teammates and believe in, in our abilities to, to get the job done. Um, but... Yeah, on the farm, I, I feel like it's kind of just that same thing. Like something that I've learned on the farm that I've, I've brought with me to my running career is, is, you know, it's just not, it's not always great. Like life is not always great. We kind of just have to roll with it. Like I think that's something I try to like think about when I'm on the farm or even remind people if, if I get the chance that, you know, it's farming and it's, you know, we all love it, but sometimes it's just really not, things are just not perfect. And um you just have to remind yourself like what what you do love and what and why you're there and what and what you're doing is is all farming and and uh you know it's it's tough some days it definitely is and especially up here in, in northern vermont we don't have a lot of sunlight so we we see that kind of creep in sometimes but um i think just you know honestly just talking to jamie's events helps me a lot so so, Jamie, what's your key to staying mentally tough and positive as a leader and as a dairy manager and owner here at Pleasant Valley Farms? Yeah, absolutely. So, at my core, I feel really blessed to have this opportunity to grow up on a farm and have the, you know, I didn't, didn't choose my parents, but I've got this great opportunity to, to take over this dairy farm and I've been given opportunity and now it's what I, what I do with the opportunity that will be um, my legacy and what we have going forward. Um, you know, Ellie and I growing up on, on a fire really realized what that's like, good days and bad. And my brother and I growing up here, you know, it's just really been something we've always wanted to take this this business forward and, and make a go of it and just figure it out. And I just feel like it's important to remember that there's good days and bad. There's days when we're down in the deep, dark manure hole with a broken manure bulb and five gallon pail. Kind of get dirty and we just got to figure it out. And sometimes you almost can get a, a chuckle and a little humor out of like, well, if you get much so worse, you know. City day. <laughs> and literally. And, uh, you know, uh, it's important to remind yourself that somebody else always has it worse. And uh, I think I just feel really, really fortunate. I want to take uh, every opportunity given to me and, and try to find success. And it's not always going to be short-term success. You know, Ellie and I always say a, a lot of good things are hard and a lot of, in a, in, and you take a lot of work to, to get to where you want to be. And not everything is easy and automatic. And you just got to, you know, put put things into perspective. Um, realize that, you know. If it was easy, everybody would do it, right? right. My brother and I definitely think uh and find strength in each other like we never, we're never alone and, and no matter how bad it is we're in it together and we're going to figure it out i uh, would think so go go so well and there's always tomorrow and you just work hard and figure it out and it's part of farming and what makes 
uh, growing up on a farm, being a farm kid, near farming people, what they are is, is a grit and just got to figure it out. And it might not always be perfect, but don't get discouraged. You'll tomorrow's the day, try to make it better. Keep improving it. Right. So Ellie and Jamie, we've talked about the management piece and the mindset piece, but let's shift gears and talk about Pleasant Valley Farms as a business. What's the best business decision you've made here in the past 12 months? Our best business decision, I think, was always our, our growth mentality of always trying to find efficiency to scale and grow when possible. And lately, um, the dairy market, at least in the Northeast, uh, we have these um, kind of these supply limits from the cooperative level on how much uh, milk we're supposed to ship on the farm. And my parents have really put us in a pretty solid position of growing the farm. A uh, number of cows wise to a point where um, we, we've, we're sitting in a good competitive position and just some decent economies to kales. Um, one really important thing lately is we're, uh, we built our methane digester in 2006. Uh, we've outgrown it. It's about half the size that we need it to be. And so we recently uh, signed a, a deal with a company called uh, Novia. And they're going to buy our current methane digester and convert it to natural gas. And we're going to pump natural gas onto the pipeline here. Um, a big key part of that was our farm is large enough where it's the right size and it makes sense. And really, if our farm was much smaller, the, the numbers really wouldn't have made sense. And I think that's going to be a huge thing for dairy farms going forward um, is this other carbon credit and natural gas market and it's another diversity that is, is is being talked about a lot around across the country on dairy farms when you look out into the remaining of 2023 what is the most impactful business decision that you have on your plate and on your minds to make this year this year uh we decided to build an additional dairy barn on our main facility uh that barn We'll pretty much max out our milking parlor. Um, we originally didn't build it to add cows like we have in the past, but our thought is our satellite dairy facility has a 40 year old herringbone uh, single exit uh, older milking parlor that is aging. And our thought was um, by utilizing our bigger double 40 milking parlor here at our, at our main farm, uh, we could milk more of the cows through less parlors and be more labor efficient. Um, move some of those people milking in that other smaller inefficient parlor up here into different jobs. Um, with all that happening, um, we built a barn. It's always been our philosophy on the farm that if we're going to build a barn, we need to fill it with cows right off and not wait for internal herd growth. We're going to go buy and source cattle and get that barn filled and get that barn paying for itself as soon as possible we actually built the barn in halves and filled the first half while we we're milking it quarter in quarter yeah. time and, and every time we work on a quarter get it done and put the cows in and start, and start milking while the while the nails and the hammers are still flying uh they had a little sunroof for a while <laughs> so uh as we we filled that barn milk prices are pretty pretty good this year and uh chose to to ship some overbase uh milk through our co-op as the numbers seem to make sense for that 
And eventually we're still looking at shutting down that other satellite facility and maybe transition it to heifers or milking less cows there um, with less people. Not sure what that'll all look like as we phase out and bring that farm to its next uh, generation, if you will, of, of what it will be there to utilize that facility. But it's definitely something as we look at the milk and commodity markets of when it'll be less profitable, make that extra milk, um, maybe downsize, maybe sell some, some cows or neighbor or something. And then with that, uh, we'll be able to shut down some of our smaller inefficient dairy fi heifer facilities where we raise heifers and consolidate more heifers on less sites. Um, it's kind of a complex thing that we don't have a lot of answers to, but potentially in the next 12 months, there could be some changes in that. We're just constantly watching margins based off the commodity and the milk market. When is it, when is it uh, time to make that move? So what's interesting, Jamie and Ellie, is it sounds like Jamie's dad's face of dairy was all about growth and expansion and acquisition. And now you're at this point where you're really looking at that picture and saying, how can we start bringing it all together? How can we hone it in? How can we double down, maximize our efficiency and really make the most of what we have here? Absolutely. I, I think my brother and I's career in the future and and in LA too, I think we'll be focused on those key things. How can we be more efficient at what we're doing? Uh, we're not ruling out growth in the, in the future when it makes sense, but how to do more of what we have. And now that we have these cows, like how to maximize production per cow, per stall, pounds of components per cow and per stall. And how do we how do we move those forward? Uh, it's it's been really satisfying to make progress on those, um, and and it's a great thing to talk about as a team. Oh, what do we need to do to get there? And that's a really empowering thing to share. We got those goals and show those show everybody on the team how we're making progress and what's holding us back, and talk about the opportunities, and then they can see how I'm spending my time to try to get the most bang for our buck on the multiple sites to, to chase those goals and, and get and get there. Well, Jamie, you definitely have the right partner by your side in going after those goals and making those big decisions as you look ahead at the future of Pleasant Valley Farms and how are we going to get there. Ellie, for you, when you look ahead at that long game, what do you think it's starting to look like 10 years from now here at the farm and with the two of you and your growing family? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I still like, I, it's still, um, been a transition for me to be on the farm, you know, more now. And it's really just for a year. Um, well, while we have this baby, um, and then I'd really like to get back at, at running as soon as possible. So I'm going to, you know, live out that career as long as I can. And then the, the goals and the plan has always been to be, um, back home in Vermont farming with Jamie. And that's always been my dream and Jamie's dream. And so, you know, I think we both just have been rooted here so much. Like our, our families, you know, have been here for generations on both sides and just, we, I think we both just love Vermont so much and. Um, have never really seen ourselves anywhere else. Um, but, you know, I think as we get older, it is easier to see what that vision is going to be and what maybe the day-to-day -day would look like more, but it's definitely farming together and with our kids, um, you know. What a pleasure it's been to talk with you, Ellie and Jamie, both about business, management, and mindset. 
a high-performing, energetic dairy couple that you are, and yet so, so down to earth. And Ellie, there's one question that so many listeners and I are dying to know. Is there one more Olympics in your future? Oh, yeah. Paris 2024 is what I got these sights on next. Yeah. (laughs) Jamie and Ellie, I always like to end the Up Level Dairy Podcast by asking you the Up Level 5. These are the five questions about pushing your next level of performance personally and professionally in business and in life. And so with that, the first question I have for you is this. What does success look like to you? I think success looks like giving your best effort to me. I think that you can't you can't really be disappointed if you tried your hardest. I think success is identifying an opportunity and making progress on that. So feeling good about what you're doing. In three words, how do you want to show up each day? Ready to work. Uh, positive, passionate, and motivated. Positive, passionate, motivated, and ready to work. Love it, love it. And so next question, who are you following? What thought leaders do you follow? I've really been into following more um, women who are are pregnant and in the, the farming community and also runners. Like I feel like they've been really motivating me these days. Um, uh, I also really am influenced <laughs> by my parents and like I talk to them on a daily basis about what's going on and, and they help motivate me and, and help me find, you know, a better direction a lot of days. Yeah, I really go to my parents for advice and I have a just a close group of friends from college uh, in the dairy industry uh, through my network at, at Cornell and are in different places throughout the country and it's really nice to talk to them about what I'm doing, what they're doing, what are they seeing for challenges. But I think uh, where we're at in, in our careers, you can find a lot of uh, feedback from similar people in your, in your position, see what their challenges are and what they're doing. What words do you live by? I like to live in the moment. I think people are always on to the next thing and and they don't take the time to celebrate what they've done. And so that's something I I tell myself daily is to kind of just enjoy where I'm at right now. So Ellie, how did you live in the moment and celebrate after you set the records for the indoor mile? Uh, At the bar after. (laughs) Oh, I was, you know, and in qualifying for the Olympics, I feel like that was, you know, just one of the best celebrations after ever. <laughs> a lot of work and dedication went into that for a long time. So it was kind of a longer, longer celebration than just getting older to see the community and see all this. That, that as well. Yeah, that's pretty definitely. Jamie, what words do you live by? Uh, so my dad always told me, get out of it what you put into it. Um, I think it's important if you, if you want something to dedicate yourself pretty hard to it, don't give up, put in your time and be creative and figure it out. So, and last question, what is your next personal up level? What is the area of life that you are looking to take to the next level? Well, becoming a parent, the beginning, <laughs> but also like, I think we're in for a big change here. And so I think, you know, it's, it's doing that on top of, you know, are my two careers and, you know, having the farm and, you know, me working on the farm and also running and um, being a parent as well. So, yeah, you know, I'll agree with that. And I, on top of that, I, I definitely, as the farm man, a lot of long hours, just definitely trying to live a healthier lifestyle, not eat much, just convenience is quick, but eat better, 
and uh, make sure you get plenty of plenty of exercise and and uh, we're, we're gonna have a kid here so we gotta be here for a long time take care of ourselves and and uh, life's about to get even busier well jamie lucky for you you have a great resource sitting right next to you that knows a thing or two about exercise and nutrition absolutely jamie and ellie it's been such a pleasure to have you on the up level dairy podcast and on behalf of our dairy community, thank you, Ellie, for all that you do as an advocate for dairy in your work as a competitive runner and professional athlete, and for representing dairy in the health and fitness space. And Jamie, thank you for sharing how you too are performing at your highest level as a dairy owner and manager. This high performance mindset series is powered by NEDAP. NEDAP is future-proofing dairy farms by revolutionizing cow-side care, technologies and activity monitoring, cow locating, milk metering, and identification. And we have a special treat for you today because joining us on the Up Level Dairy Podcast is Tara Bonner, Business Development Manager for NEDAP. As a reproductive consultant for more than 20 years, she has armed thousands of cows, tediously combed through a lot of dairy records, and has helped the industry evolve from conventional AI methods to the incorporation of precision monitoring technology. And so Tara, in the time we have to tap into your years of knowledge today, the first question I have for you is this, what are the most effective repro protocols that you are seeing being used on the large series that you are working with? The most successful repro protocols that I'm seeing right now are the ones that can do that good combination of your traditional synchronization programs and technology of working in unison together. It provides you a lot of opportunity to still do a pre-sync off-sync, but it also allows you to utilize the system to find your anovular cows and to find your repeat heats. Uh, in addition to that, Tara, what kind of metrics are you seeing managers using for preg rate and other measures of benchmarking how they were doing in their repro success? Yeah, I think, you know, where you're at reproductively is really going to depend on the type of dairy that you are. Obviously, we still have a lot of organic dairies out there who really have to, you know, go more natural with their heat um, detection and their pregnancy creations. And a lot of those dairies are going to run in the low 20s, which is very much acceptable. When I started in the industry 20 years ago, most of our pregnancy rates on dairies were in the teens and dairies dreamed to reach the mid 20s. Now we look at all the research that's available now and all the tools with the off-sync programs we have, and it's pretty much standard for our dairies to be in the 30s for preg rates. Low 30s are, are pretty standard. If you're on one of those pre-sync off-sync programs, it's it's not uncommon to be a 32 prime pregnancy rates. Um, so the challenge comes into these dairies now is when Repro looks really, really good, where does a monitoring solution fit into my program? Yeah. And, and so let's touch on that then. Um, how are farms using monitoring systems as part of their repro protocols? Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of ways to look at it. If you're a dairy who really wants to, you know, step back from synchronization programs, that's always an option. Uh, if you're one of those dairies, though, that are over 30 on preg rate, there's always a chance that you're going to slip back a little bit. You may have to be willing to give up a few points of preg rate. The dairies who are able to maintain or even take that a couple of points higher are probably the ones that are going to keep that pre-sync off-sync, get that first breeding in there because the biggest impact they can have is 100% service rate. And that's really the great insurance policy that dairies like is that when you keep a synchronization program on that first breeding, one, you know that every cow is going to get their semen at the optimum point in their lactation 
And two, some dairies, uh, some animals need a little bit of that cleaning out. They kind of need a little bit of a reboot post-calving. And this kind of just eliminates the guesswork and a little bit of that front-end work and saying, let's just give everybody, you know, a first chance at getting pregnant. Um, we do have some dairies that will just start with a loot shot and then do some cherry picking on those breedings. And even those dairies are still able to be in the 30s on their primary. Yeah. So Tara, what I hear you saying is you are seeing some great success with this combination of the technologies that have been available reproductively with the synchronization programs. But then we overlay that with the data that we're able to collect from activity monitoring. So uh, my question for you, this is the Up Level Dairy Podcast. Let's just take that bigger step and look at the possible and potential for up-leveling repro. What do you think is possible as dairy managers really learn to harness this combination of of technology and data in the repro world. Yeah, I'm going to tell dairies that I work with always on that first breeding, you do what works best for you. Never ever look up the impact that technology has on resync breeding. It is amazing uh, the ability to catch those cows that come back around. Preg checklists are smaller and more concise now. Everybody knows on a dairy that your, your preg check, those first few cows you arm sets the tone. And when you hit a several open cows at the beginning of a preg check, it just really ruins your day. Now we're seeing fewer cows going to the preg check, but a lot higher rate of those cows already being pregnant. So when we look at all of our resinks out there, usually are walk and chalk programs, they're labor intensive, and we're all bound to miss animals. So if you want to take your dairy up a level and go there, um, never count out an activity system. Um, and the value that it's going to create on a resync, or not on a resync, but on your, you know, cows that come back around. Excellent. Thank you so much, Tara, for joining us for this NEDAP power play. And now our dairy owners and managers out there listening to this podcast will have these little extra nuggets to take their repro to its next level. Thank you for listening to the Up Level Dairy Podcast. I'm your host, Peggy Coffeen. And if you like what you heard today, go ahead and head on over to upleveldairy.com to read the blog and join the Up Level Dairy email list so you can receive new podcast blogs and special offers coming soon from Up Level Dairy straight in your inbox. To listen to more episodes, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube, and don't forget to rate and review. Connect with me, Peggy, at Peggy at upleveldairy.com and follow Up Level Dairy on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn.